0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series for a bumper morning show. Uh, I'm joined by four guests. The top four must be on. It's the biggest sign you've seen so far. Um, do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe if you're new. We do these shows every morning Monday to Friday 9.30am. I'm joined by Bailey. You right, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm good, TC. How are you?
0: Very good, thank you. Very good. Chris, how are we doing, fella?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Pleasure to be with you all this morning.
0: Absolutely, and busted into the party. It's guy, all right, mate?
3: Yeah, I couldn't avoid not being involved this morning, lads. So uh, yeah, sorry for gate crashing late on, but yeah, no, pleasure to be with you.
0: I feel like there's something that you really want to get off your chest or something like. <laughs> no, just, no, it's, it's, it's,
3: we've been we've been so long without kind of a game, and it just. Just wanted to get on this morning with you guys to kind of just just chat through what's going on with the Arsenal, albeit we've not obviously got a great deal going on, but we've still plenty of topics to get into.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And we're going to kick off with a debate that has raged between two of Football Twitter's biggest components. (laughs) Piers Morgan and Gary Lineker, discussing whether or not David Beckham gets into the Arsenal Invincibles. Obviously, we've got to have our say. Um, Guy, does he get into the? The question was the squad. To be fair, not the starting eleven. Uh, Pierce says no. Doesn't even make the bench. What's your thoughts?
3: No, I think he'd probably get into the squad, but I he wouldn't get into the eleven. I mean. I'd, probably going back to 2003-04 i suppose tactic uh, tactical analysis and formation breakdown probably wasn't actually as thorough as what it is now and if you look at that team probably played more kind of a a 4222 is that right yeah not putting too many players on the pitch there rather than a, a flat 442 with Jumberg and Perez very much kind of advanced wide attacking midfield players um which wasn't Beckham's game. Beckham was very much a, a right midfielder, needed someone going around him and overlapping. And whilst Lauren did do that for the Arsenal team, it wasn't really his main responsibility. He was defensively assured, first and foremost. And Jumberg used to get in the box and, and contribute goals. And obviously, even a couple of years before, we kind of saw how good he was in the, the, the final weeks and months of that 2001 and one two double winning season uh, with the red hair. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's not getting in, in ahead of Freddie for me.
0: Chris
2: yeah I agree with guy there um, I think maybe getting into the squad obviously Beckham was a, a quality player but you think of the quality that we had in that invincibles team and I mean look looking back why would you why would you change anything um, and uh, and um, put Beckham in, in the mix as well when we already had all that quality in there and it you know they, they're the invincibles I mean you can't get any better than that really can you so um, look, there's no doubt in Beckham's quality that he had as a player Um, and obviously he started off as a really talented youngster and he only got better he grew into one of the best players in the world Um, but in terms of that Arsenal team back then and that invincible squad we had several players who were the best players in the world at that time as well who were doing amazing things that haven't been achieved since excuse me so yeah, I, I agree with Guy there, and perhaps Beckham gets into the squad, but nothing more than that, really. Keep the uh, the whole star and eleven the same.
0: Bailey, you going to break the mold and disagree, or not?
1: Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's a full house for me. I think uh, he gets into the squad but not the uh, Stein 11. I don't think we needed his... I don't think he gets in the Stein 11 purely because we had all these strengths already. I think we had a good set-piece take on Thierry Henry, who's got a free, free kick. Sorry, we didn't need the deliveries because I don't think we had the out-and-out number nine to to deliver the ball into. I think, of course, Thierry come from the left and Burkamp was more of a... Deep, deep line player, so his deliveries wouldn't be a, a necessity. And I think Lomberg's goals, knack for goals, is more important on the right hand side. I think that's a very underrated trait for a midfielder. So, as my friends say from the Arsenal, way sometimes David Beckham or David Beckham. Uh,
0: <laughs> He's been waiting. He's been literally waiting to get that in. I mean, the listeners don't even know what you're talking about, man.
3: <laughs> I think I think one point that's worth raising, though, is, is Sylvain Wiltord. I mean, he, at the time, he was yeah. for club, club record signing £13 million. and. Just looking at the stats there, he only actually made 12 Premier League appearances in the 2003-04 season. So actually, I suppose the argument for Beckham even not getting in the squad would be he would be pushing Todd out the squad who could play through the middle as a striker and wide on the right, which actually, maybe, there is an argument. I'm not saying Wiltord was a better player than, than David Beckham, but certainly for oh, yeah. having a tight-knit squad and being versatile and being able to play in, in many positions, actually, um, that's the case, and I suppose Ray Parla was still kicking about for the three or four season. So, yeah. exactly, he could he, he could cover central midfield and, and the right hand side. So, actually, I might go back and say, no, I'll, I'll stick to it and say Beckham Beckham wouldn't get in the squad because our squad it was perfect. We went unbeaten. We didn't uh, need to change it.
0: I I I disagree. I do look, I I think I phrased the question when I wrote it in the piece of, for FL yesterday was that. Does one of the best passing players of all time get into one of the best passing squads of all time? It's I, I think he gets in the squads. I'm not saying he starts during that 03-04 season. He was with Real Madrid and I was looking like at what he was doing. And to be honest, he was playing in central midfield for Real Madrid that season. He was playing next to the lights of Guti and Aguero in the middle. And I, I think that, that that position was locked down without a shadow of a doubt by Gilberto Silva and Vieira, as we know. But beyond that, you had Edu, who, you know, do very Decent player, very good player, technically gifted in that. But I do feel like Beckham would have given him far more, far, far more as cover for central midfield, especially in maybe games where during that season, like, say, the Portsmouth game towards the end of the campaign or um, the Birmingham game, I think it was, you know, where we really started trying to struggle to get towards the end games in which we were struggling to break the opponents down and you can maybe use a Beckham in the middle alongside a Vieira or alongside a, a Gilberto just to give you that bit more incisiveness and, and break down the opposition I think he definitely would have got into the squad and given us more than an Edu or a Parler um, but yeah I agree with you the eleven's perfect and that there's no one that I would exchange for that starting 11 uh, of the Invincibles but I I I I just feel like saying he wouldn't even make the Arsenal bench is a bit strong yeah, considering how good of a player Did he was. Did he have the was.
3: physicality though to play in central midfield in the Premier League at that time? Because Maybe Gilberto Gilberto and, and Vieira were absolute machines mm. when they petty before Gilberto arrived yeah. as well. I mean, I mean to be fair, it's splitting hairs, isn't it? Like you say yeah. absolutely world-class talent. I think you'd find a place for him in the squad, but Yeah. Um, if yeah, so.
0: Humberg was injured, and you told me I can either have Beckham or a 31-year-old Ray Parler at right, <laughs> <laughs> I know who I'm picking. Like, yeah, yeah, well, the yeah, greatest yeah. Of respect to Ray, but you, you know. forgot
3: about oh. we'll Willard though. Come on, that was he oh. was, was the initial shout.
0: Yeah, I know. But I just, I just I don't think that I don't think I'm picking Walter over Beckham either. Sorry, mate. It's just, just no, I mean, it. no no,
3: no. I, I agree. I was trying to offer the offer the defense. I know.
0: I know. Anyway, let's, uh, you know, fast forward time uh, and get back to present day because a really interesting story coming out yesterday from Brazil sticking with they do um, just to get that nice segue in there. Edu, again, not failing because we don't know how much Arsenal will throw in for this guy. But young 17-year-old Savio has been linked with Arsenal for a number of weeks now. Uh, Also interested in the Red Bull group who've got their own team in Brazil. And we very much know the likes of Salzburg and Leipzig too. But Manchester City have uh, supposedly come in now. 6.5 million euros, which is a very similar figure to what we paid for Martinelli. And it looks like Man City will be netting uh, this youngster uh, and bringing yet another young Brazilian in as well. they've already brought in the likes of Keiki, etc., cetera, to, to really bolster those young ranks. And then the idea is that he'll be sent on loan to PSV Eindhoven, according to Fabrizio Romano. Bally, do you think that you would have expected to see more success in the Brazilian market f- considering Edu's been here since, what, 2019 now?
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like we're, we have been signing Brazilians, but not from Brazil or South America. It's not like we're signing Unearthed Gems like a Martinelli. I think Martinelli's the only player <laughs> even signing Brazilians, but from around Europe and even in London from Chelsea side. So I'm a bit surprised because, of course, Eddie worked for the Brazil and the national team he's in and around mm. there. So I'm surprised he hasn't, you know, had any links there, has any ties where someone can give him the heads up on the players up and coming. Arsenal can get the first dibs on him, but I am surprised because now we're seeing City, they signed Julian Alvarez, of course, from Argentina, and now, um, and now this and now Savio as well. So Man City looks like they've got the. They head on head up, they're above everyone with their with their movements across from South America. They worked with Gabriel Jesus who's who's flying now and I'm sure they'll get a healthy profit from him when they do eventually sell him one. So yeah, the Man City model is very good and it's sometimes it's hard to compete because it feels like they're doing everything perfectly. And yeah. Of course we have Edu and it's a shame we can't use his of course his C V what's on his C V to take advantage and get cheeky and uh transfers in.
0: City just brought in that Julian Alvarez as well from River Plate too from South America like you look at the talent they're able to bring in because and what's funny about City is that they they do these deals for these small figures like we all associate City Chris with these huge massive transfer fees but you know, on the, on the side, they're doing these little deals, bringing in talent, bringing them through. They've, they've seen the success of Foden. Cole Palmer looks another real talent coming through their academy. And they've brought in KQ's who's really highly rated from Brazil. And now they're looking to get another young Brazilian in. Do you think that we are missing a trick by not trying to get these types in? Or do you have enough faith that there's enough talent already coming through the academy?
2: Well, I I do have enough faith that there's already enough talent coming through the academy. We know how talented Hale End is, and you know the consistent amount of numbers there is coming through the academy, having opportunities with the first team. Um, Obviously, we've got several at the moment that are in and around the first team, uh, or very close to sort of getting more opportunities with them. But then, then again, it's important to always be proactive um, in the transfer market and keeping an eye out on hidden gems as. Bailey mentioned a moment ago you know we've obviously look at the success of the Gabriel Martinelli transfer that happened a few years back and no one hardly knew anything about him when he joined and you know he was playing sort of in, in the lower leagues in Brazil but he's he's been fantastic you know he has the attitude he has the talent he has the potential he has the quality to to make it in the Premier League which he has done and He's still developing. He's still growing. And I think he can be a really, really important player for us, not just currently, but moving into the future in particular as well, as he continues his development. Um, I, I think he won't be the last, though, when it comes to sort of players coming from the lower leagues in Brazil or even the main Brazilian leagues. I, I think we'll get more through the door. We may even see, even see something happening on that front come the summer. I know in January we were linked with a Brazilian midfielder as well, central midfielder. Forget his name, forgive me. you uh, Not that one. Danilo. Danilo, Danilo that's Danilo, the one. Yeah. Oh, Danilo. Um, and Mateus uh,
0: Martinelli as well, uh, I remember, from Fluminense. Another Martinelli, Mateus Martinelli, was also linked with Arsenal. Mm.
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, there's 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 without a doubt players that Edu is keeping an eye on and his recruitment team, he, he, as we all know, he has strong connections and that part of the world as well. So I don't think Martinelli will be the last sort of young, talented um, hidden gem um, from South America to come through the door. I'm sure there'll be more. I suppose the only thing is, you know, when we talk about these, these young players who, of course, are talented, they have a lot of potential, I mean, I think the focus in the summer has got to be bringing players in who are going to come into the first team straight away and you know, have an instant impact. We we talk about the striker positions, the central midfield area as well. We need to, obviously, we've built up a very young, talented squad that the main process of that happened last summer. Now, I think moving into this summer, it's really got to be about adding two, three top quality players who are who are really going to complement some of those players we brought into the summer really nicely and, and boost our chances of going on to bigger and better things next season. Um, I mean, I suppose, you know, if we're talking about players who maybe don't, you know, aren't going to be regulars, but are going to have a similar role to Nuno Tavares, maybe at this right wing back role and the cover Tommy Asu, um, we could then think about maybe a young, talented a Brazilian player who, who's got a lot of potential, but, Maybe isn't ready for, you know, to play every week, for example, but he's good enough. He's got enough potential, enough talent to to be a rotation player. So I think oh. that's sort of the way we've got to go down when we are looking at more South American players in the future.
0: Uh, Guy, Vinny in the chat says, Edu hasn't leveraged his Brazilian connections at all. I'm really disappointed in him. They are one of the best footballing nations He should be trying to tap up the next big starts. Do you think that Vinny's got a point or do you think that Edu's had kind of his focus on the first team and those six signings we made in the summer and, you know, work on bringing in youth and exciting talents has kind of been put to the back seat a little bit with how much we've needed to improve the senior team of late?
3: Yeah, I think Edu... Eddie- I think we should cut Eddie some slack on this one. He's clearly unearthed the talent and seen sin the potential of the player. I think maybe we're behind and where we're lacking. I mean, there's so many things at Arsenal to get us back to being a Champions League club and, and competing with Man City on and off the pitch that we need to do and build the club. Now, is it a case of this lad's looked at it? And as you, you've mentioned there, there's already a plan at City of sending him out on loan to Dutch football. And there is that pathway. And they've proven through a number of players with a number of loans or fast-tracking them through to the first team, the pathway is there. Now, whilst we've given a lot of chances to young players, I would argue a number of them have come straight through the academy, Saka and Smith-Rowe in particular. The one who obviously has come through in in Gabriel Martinelli probably arrived at the ideal time for a wild-card selection to be given a chance. Now we're getting back towards trying to push for for Champions League football. Is there really the space in the team, the squad, to give a 17-year-old a, a chance straight through coming in, in the door. I mean, Charlie Patino's struggling to break in. Miguel Aziz struggled last season, went out on loan to Portsmouth, and we've seen that loan backfired. And maybe he even looks at that and goes, What is the pathway? What is kind of has gone before at Arsenal to prove to me, actually, this club is the best at accelerating me through to being a, a first team player for them? Now, it, it would be a risk regarding however it played out, but I don't think Edu really deserves much flack for this, City have got the body of work to, to to go to any young player and say, look, we've got this, we're building, as you say, the Kaiki, uh, however you pronounce his name, apologies if I've, I've butchered that, Julian Alvarez and this guy, they're probably looking at that and saying, look, we're beginning to build maybe our next attack in, in five years' time and we want you to be a fulcrum and, and, and a, a real key part of that. So it is one of those, I think, where... Edu probably does deserve a a bit of slack on that. Let's concentrate on building the first team and then maybe start to look at bringing in these young players. I agree maybe the Brazilian market hasn't been attacked as well as it could have been. Equally, we brought in the likes of Gabriel from from, uh, French football, who obviously had acclimatised well and was then ready to take that step. So priority's got to be on the first team. But equally, even Martinelli, I don't really think you attribute that to... To Eddie, too much. That was the scout, wasn't it? Francis. Yeah, Francis Cajigal. Yeah. Cajigal, yeah. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Very true. The last topic I want to bring up is uh, an interesting one based upon the, the discussions we had yesterday about Rafael Liao of, of AC Milan being linked to Arsenal uh, and a number of teams. In fact, as a report came yesterday saying half of the Premier League is interested in, in Rafael Liao, he's definitely stepped up since moving more exclusively to the left hand side of, of of the AC Milan attack with Giroud and Slatan sharing that central striking role. Bailey. I, I mean, I've gone to a number of discussions with AC Milan fans yesterday who felt very aggrieved uh, about the links to Arsenal and even described it as a downgrade. I mean, I know that we're obviously biased, um, but is there any credit from the AC Milan perspective aside that uh, competed for the Serie A title this season, were in the Champions League, were knocked out quite comfortably in a, in a group, I think, with Porto, Liverpool, Atletico, Madrid, if my memory serves me well? Um, and. I'm not sure, even qualified for the Europa League. Did they finish bottom of that group? I'm not sure what happened with them in the end. I mean, I'll check while you're talking. But do you think there's any credit in that argument that it's a downgrade from AC Milan?
1: No, not at all. Um, yeah, last season, of course, AC Milan, I think that they were finally back because they got into the Champions League. But I think that's their first time they, yeah, they, they did finish, finish bottom. Yeah, they did finish bottom. So they're not even in yeah. European competition, just like Arsenal. And yeah, they got in the Champions League this year, but that's the first time in however long. Also, the last time Arsenal and AC Milan played against each other was in the Europa League and Arsenal swept the floor. I, feel, I believe that was in Arsenal's final year when I mm. think we won at the San Siro and then we got through at the second leg at the Emirates. So, I don't think there's a difference between the two teams whatsoever. The only difference is that AC Milan have gone to one, had to one Champions League season and if we do well this season and by the time we sign Rafael we could be in the Champions League next year too. So, we will literally be on the same level on, on, on things. So, I don't think it's a step down or even a step up. I think it's... A, sideways move but a good sideways move because the Premier League is a better league hmm. than oh, the sorry to say that but it is it's more competitive so it, if anything it'll be a step up for Rafael a small step up but a small step up yeah a step up in my opinion.
0: Chris do you agree do you think that it would be a move that would represent uh a step forwards in Le- Leal's career or do you think that there's credit in suggesting that AC Milan have a more you know it's a more attractive place to be right now than Arsenal
2: Um, Look, I think, let's face it, if Arsenal were in the Champions League right now, um, Milan fans wouldn't have as strong uh, opinion um, on this. Uh, Arsenal is a a huge football club and despite their absence from European football this season, obviously in in the Champions League in particular over the last few seasons, they're still one of the biggest clubs in the world. They're in the best league in the world, uh, which Bailey says, with all due respect to, to Serie A fans, it is more competitive um and it's more exciting um in my opinion and I I think I think this would be a good move for the player um he's obviously established himself at AC Milan he's enjoying a, a good season there and it looks as if he's developing um quite well and there will be that stage in his career where he needs to to make that next step up and I just think you know for any player who, who's maybe playing abroad and is, is developing well, is playing well, clearly has a lot of potential and talent. They've worked hard to to maybe get a big move elsewhere. The Premier League is the perfect place to come and, you know, challenge yourself even further, develop y- y- yourself even more. And I think considering where we are as a squad at the moment and what we are building at Arsenal Football Club, I think it's the perfect option for him. You know, we've already got a young, talented team here who... Will only be getting stronger going into the future. It'll be not just because of their development and the the, the potential that they have, um, but because you know I, I'm sure it'll be a, a very busy summer for us, and we'll get even more talent and, and quality through the door. And um, I just think it would be a great opportunity for him. I I don't think he should be targeted as a as one of our main strikers. Um, you know, I remember looking at his stats from this season. Um, And I think he only has 10 goals and around 27 appearances or something around that. Um, And he has been mostly playing on the left-hand side um, as a winger. So, you know, maybe we're looking at him um, for a potential Pepe replacement. He would be a good option to have um, because, like I say, he's quite clearly got the talent um, and and the quality. But I think, um, you know, I I know he's obviously he has filled in that centre forward role before. I'm not sure how well he would fit in for us in that role in particular. And obviously, when we we talk about the tempo, the physicality of the Premier League, it's a massive difference. So, um, yeah, I I mean, look, um, obviously one to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if if we should be looking at him to come in and and fill that striker void at all. But um, it would be an Mm. upgrade to come in and play for the Arsenal without a doubt.
0: Guy Paul Geyer in the chat says, ask Arsenal fans, we need to be honest. AC Milan is a much bigger club and Arsenal is no longer the draw that it used to be. Uh, How much credit do you give that thought? I mean, from my perspective, just briefly, AC Milan are historically a bigger club than Arsenal. I'm not going to sit there and debate that. They've won Champions Leagues. They're one of the most successful teams in history. It's just on present day merit is is it a sideways, a downgrade or an upgrade move to go from one to the other?
3: I mean, yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but before Paul's comment even dropped in, I, w- I was kind of thinking, yeah. I, I, from the AC Milan perspective, I can completely see it. The seven-time champions of Europe, they're a fallen giant, so are we. They've fallen a lot further than where they were They were at to where they fell as to what we've yeah, comparatively absolutely. gone through. We're both on our way back, and I think... I think if and I wasn't a fan of it at all, but if the European Super League had come to to fruition, I don't think an AC Milan player would probably be be looking at it going, "Oh yeah, I'll trade AC Milan for for Arsenal." And actually, that's kind of maybe one hidden benefit of the Super League not happening is Arsenal compete in the Super League. It's already here. It's the Premier League, and as Bailey said, he, he hit the nail on the head. The thing we have that's different is, is Premier League football. We have more resource, we have more money. I mentioned it, Tom, when we were talking about Dusan Vlahovic. As much as that sends cold shivers down my back, that name these days—that we do have financial might that that Serie A clubs don't have. And should we be able to be proving to these kind of players that we're at least on track to realistically be getting back in the Champions League? And if that were to happen this season, then I think it is a draw. But the draw is that we're in Europe's elite competition and we play in the Premier League as well. I don't think it's as easy as saying, oh yeah, I'm 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 drawn to Arsenal over AC Milan because they are a huge, huge historic club. As much as Mikel Arteta will tell us all in every press conference, no player's ever told him he doesn't want to play for Arsenal. We are equally, obviously, a, a great institution and a huge pool within English football. But to say that us taking a player from, from AC Milan is a big upgrade for the player, yeah, I, I think that's probably tongue-in-cheek.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with what Bailey said earlier. I don't think it's neither an upgrade nor a downgrade in a player's move right now. I think it would represent enough positives, like pros and cons on either side, to balance it out in regards to a move. I think it has the potential to be an upgrade in the future. It depends on which projects, and both have got attractive projects right now, has the more potential to, to go further. You'd argue that AC Milan have a better chance of winning a title in their respective league than Arsenal do, and they're showing that this season. But... The money that's available at Arsenal, the prestige of playing in the Premier League as well as the biggest league in the world. Um, and Arsenal have got intentions to try and get up to the level where they're trying to compete for titles once again. I think that's that's been made very clear from the spending that's been going on in the last uh, two to, I mean, arguably five or so years. We just haven't spent it very well, unfortunately. And we are trying to change that now. Um, I think that what will happen is that Leal will sign a new contract with AC Milan. To be honest, that seems to be the feeling that's coming out of Italy at the moment. Uh, in which case he was awful and I never wanted him. So uh, <laughs> that's usually how these things work, isn't it? So I- I'm looking forward to seeing what players we end up obviously going for in the summer. He's a name on the list of plenty of forwards that we have been linked to. But I'm liking the fact they're being linked to kind of these goal-scoring wide forwards as well. It gives me hope that that is another area of the team that we're going to be looking to strengthen. Guy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. Chris, always a pleasure, my friend.
2: Cheers, TC. Thanks, Bailey. Guy, thanks to everyone tuning in this morning. Pleasure as always.
0: And Bailey, massive pleasure as per. Thank you, guys. Thank you everyone in the comment section as well. Absolutely. If you haven't done so already, please drop a like on the video and subscribe to the Arsenal. I'll be back this afternoon with another piece of content for you as well. And then we'll be back tomorrow morning for the next Arsenal agenda show, which I believe Bailey, you'll be doing uh because I'm not on tomorrow. So uh enjoy it. Um but no, it's an absolute pleasure as always, guys. Help us to get to ten thousand subs before the end of the Premier League season. If you haven't done so already, we do match reaction shows, interviews, you get to watch Mikel Arteta's press conferences and more and see how me and Bailey are at football in real life too which is always an absolute joy see you soon guys have a great one and as always keep following us down the Arsenal way